Broadcasting live from the phx.fm studio in Phoenix, Arizona. It's time for Valley Business Radio, spotlighting the Valley's best businesses and the people who lead them. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Arizona 100 podcast. I'm Adrian McIntyre with phx.fm. I'm joined here in our virtual studio by Abby Fink, publisher of the Arizona 100. Abby, hello. How are you? I'm good. Yourself? I'm well. I'm well. Uh, I could be better, but I could be a lot worse. So yeah. I'll call yeah. that winning at the moment. It is winning. Anytime we are um, upright and talking, I call it winning in today's ch- whatever this is that we're dealing with. Yes, indeed. I've I've lost track of the time. I don't know uh, how long it's been since we started uh, our shelter in place thing here. It was March 12 for our family, but I don't I don't know how long it's been since then. I don't really know what day it is today. So uh, anyway, we do have another edition of the Arizona 100 out today. And uh, of course, this unique publication has done a lot of interesting coverage of our current COVID-19 crisis. You've shared with us uh, what a lot of companies are doing differently, what a lot of nonprofits are dealing with, kind of general tips and things. What do we see in this issue? What's going on in your world? Well, you know, I've, I've been pondering what's been going on in my world, and I find that I'm, I have, I'm very busy, which is good, but I find that I'm having this couple extra hours a day that I don't know how I got them all of a sudden, and then it dawned on me it's because so much of my regular work week, if we want to kind of the before COVID, BC, was let's meet for lunch, let's go grab coffee, hey, you want to see if we can get together for brunch this weekend, and it just, you know, fills up those extra hours, those the socializing time, and and I'm still having lunch and I'm still meeting friends for dinner. We're just doing it in a virtual environment. But I really hadn't realized for as long as I've been doing this that so much of my um, everyday work life and, you know, my my personal socialization is around getting together, you know, over a meal or over a beverage of some kind. And, and those hours now are, you know, I'm not, I don't need to get up as early to get ready to go to work in the morning because I'm just kind of walking six feet from the the residence to the workplace. Um, you know, I'm not meeting friends out. So we're just gathering here in this online space. So it got me thinking about how we're communicating, how we are thinking differently about the way that we're communicating. And really, you know, we, we have become so reliant on this technology, right? We're kind of in impressed with ourselves that we've created this virtual studio and that we're able to broadcast our our podcast this way. But there's still a, an awful lot of individuals out there that ne- don't necessarily access technology the same way and may not be tuning into podcasts as regularly as they might, you know, what we might think they are or are not um, reading or getting their news via the internet. So it's really requiring us, those of us that do communications, really to think about, you know, maybe taking it back a little bit, you know, take it back old school, if you will. And maybe we need to start relying on some of those tried and true methods of communicating. The, um, you know, maybe we need to start using the U.S. Postal Service again and put some things in the mail, print up a newsletter instead of posting something online. Um, you know, the, the phone, the phone still works as an actual vehicle to communicate. You can pick up the phone and call someone. So I've been chatting a lot with some, you know, with my colleagues and with some of our clients about how are we 
how are we using technology, but how are we also remembering not everyone uses it the way that we do, you know, to still stay in touch and communicate. So that's what's been on my mind the last 48 hours or so. I think that's really important to remember. And you and I had a fascinating conversation last week with some of your students in the class you teach uh, on social media and contemporary communications about whether or not things like blogging and video and social channels, like even the latest, greatest things, TikTok, et cetera, have they made books obsolete? And of course, everyone can have a different view of this, but my thought is no, they haven't. They've just added to the mix of things. And it's important to remember that while there are some people that will embrace the latest digital methods of communication and make that their primary source of consumption, people still read. There are still libraries. Amazon still, I don't know lately, but still sells a whole lot of printed books, words on paper every single year. The only thing that I'm aware of that's completely obsolete are those cuneiform tablets written in ancient Akkadian. Nobody's <laughs> using those anymore, but uh, that was also 6,000 years ago. So, you know, nothing's Maybe we need away. to dust them off and see. Maybe there's value in them. You now. know, there's like the 12 professors of Near Eastern languages and cultures that can actually read those things um, probably could be at the forefront of a new revolution. But I really like where you're going with this thought, which is we need to remember that even in our contemporary digital always on kind of landscape, that there's an unequal access to that. And there's people whose preferences still fall for more traditional forms of media. So whether it's print, whether it's mail, whether it's the phone, you know, one of the best things I think um, any company or nonprofit could do right now is connect one-on-one over the phone in a very non-scalable way with their best customers, with their best donors, just check in, actually call them and let that human voice on the other end of the phone, you know, we got out of the habit of calling uh, and certainly people prefer, I think to a certain degree, not to have the phone ring. But these days, I don't know, we might be back to where that could be a meaningful, thoughtful conversation that someone would really appreciate. Well, I, I was chatting on the phone with one of my coworkers and she was kind of teasing me that that I have called her, I am neck and neck with phone calls now with her mother in terms of how many times the phone rings between me or her. And I said, well, I, you know, I just have one quick question for you. I don't need a whole back and forth text messaging or chat box or whatever we're going to use. I just need to ask you if it's yes or no. Great. And she said, no, it's great. I really enjoy it. I'm home, you know, I'm home working by myself. It's nice to have that kind of conversation. You know, I look at my parents, for example, who are um, pretty tech savvy. Uh, they're, you know, they're, they're comfortable with it. It's not their primary uh, way of communicating. They would much prefer the, you know, the the face-to-face and certainly much prefer the telephone. But last night, you know, my mom and dad in their house, my sister in her house in California and me here in, the, in Scottsdale, we had dinner together and we were able to fire up the video chat and do that. Well, we joked that we've always had that opportunity to do it. You know, we, that technology has existed for a while, but because we could see each other in person. We didn't rely on having that technology. And it was really nice to be able to, you know, join with the family and do that. So, you know, again, we've we've talked about what what will it look like later when we're done with all of this and we're back to whatever the normal is going to be. I just think some of these uh, methods that we have certainly make it convenient, but we shouldn't disregard the, you know, the the phone calls and the face-to-face opportunities and that real interaction that exists out there. And, and you know, that's how, as humans, we, we continue to uh, stay in touch with each other. So 
I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be curious to see. I know that um, I am getting a little bit more personal mail, which is fun. You know, the friends from afar are dropping postcards and just little notes of encouragement, which is always nice to get to the mailbox and see something other than a a bill or something like that. So I, I lo- dusted off my box of note cards and I'm about to start sending some notes off myself. Well, my kids who are five and seven are, and without us even prompting them or saying anything, handing me just before I came up here to the studio for this show, Kieran, who's five, gave me an envelope that he had decorated the outside of and, and had sealed up himself and said, there's a note in here for my friends, Henry and Theo. Would you please mail this to them? Uh, because they haven't seen their little friends in in uh, f- six weeks now. And um, so, yes, I think the the... The idea of putting something in the mail is um, still very relevant, yeah. whether you're five or 55 or 150. Now, we've, we, we're seeing a lot of interesting developments around the state. Certainly, some folks are chomping at the bit to reopen the economy. The governor's taking a very measured approach to that, which is appropriate, saying he's going to follow guidelines and follow input from experts and so on. A lot of businesses still continuing to adapt. Um, a lot of needs uh, that are surfacing, that were always there but hadn't been addressed, are being addressed to a certain degree. Things like providing Wi-Fi hotspots for school kids. Um, you know, uh, food and beverage companies are innovating to to try to serve people in new ways. What what are you, what are what are some of these trends in your view? What what will folks read about this this week's issue? Well, I think the, the you know I, probably one of the hardest hit. Um, in terms of needing to adjust and adapt is probably been our education system, right? The, the, the vast majority of uh, our K through, K through 12 learners are doing it in a classroom. You know, the majority will have an interaction with a, with a teacher um, of some kind or they're out in the community doing field trips or whatever that might be. And with all of that shifting and, and going to an online component, that was a real a real challenge, I think, for the for the classroom teachers in particular, who are not necessarily savvy in teaching online. They they get their um, you know their feedback from that one on one with the students. But in order to continue providing for our kids, you know, all these teachers and and these schools have had to adapt. One of the challenges, of course, is not every home is equipped with computers. Uh, with enough computers to to satisfy the entire family. The Wi-Fi connection may or may not exist. And so what we're seeing is um, companies are stepping up and offering up their hotspot technology, you know, their mobile units to allow that to happen. There is a school district in Tucson whose buses are Wi-Fi enabled. And so they're moving the buses around the community so that the kids can tap into the Wi-Fi there. The governor has asked for, you know, donations from businesses and some of the technology providers to really help our students have the opportunity to continue learning and not let um, a lack of access be a reason not to continue learning. And that's in your traditional school setting. And we are also seeing it in um, the schools that provide for uh, special education for our kids, for kids with intellectual disabilities. Um, one of the schools here called Excel, they're a private nonprofit organization, but they work uh, with school districts across the valley to provide the special education for those districts' school uh, students. And so they also, where, where one-on-one teaching has been the core of how they deliver their 
learning. Now they've done it in this more uh, technology-driven um, environment. And early stages are showing that they're, that the, the students, whether they are, again, the, the individuals with the disabilities or our, our kids in the traditional schools, are uh, they're adjusting well, right? Kids are a little more tech savvy, um, but the learning might be a little bit slower, but the learning is still happening. And so we, we're hopeful, I think those that are dealing with those in the education world, that there will be um, no downtime in the, in the kids' learning and that they'll, get, they'll keep the kids active until the end of the school year, when you know, the May-June timeframe, and giving them this learning opportunity that may look a little different but are still um, excelling. And I think it's amazing that, that the business community is stepping up to support the education community so that our kids are not losing out on those valuable learning opportunities. Yeah, in a lot of cases, there is innovation and you know initiatives to provide increased access that really needed to happen, but maybe weren't always the priority. And I think one of the unexpected benefits of this situation is the degree to which it really has brought some of these things to the forefront. So hopefully some of these initiatives will carry through into the future and we'll realize that, you know, providing access uh, to broadband technology, providing access to different ways of of working and studying and, you know, connecting, all of it can be positive, uh, even though it's a really unfortunate situation that that made us confront this on its own timeline, not ours. Um, but I, I'm I'm hopeful that some of these things will provide lasting benefit. Yeah, I mean, and I do think they will. I, you know, get, we we've talked about the you know innovation and how businesses have had to, you know, pivot or what did you say pirouette. I think is how you phrased it a couple weeks right. ago. But really think about how they're doing some things. You know, not just doing their business differently, but whether they're doing a different business altogether. But one of the things that, been, that I think has been most impressive is the is really the uh, organizations that have been stepping up to assist our medical professionals and our first responders, and whether that's been in providing hotel rooms and for the those that have to self isolate, restaurants that have said we're going to provide funding and and meals to our first responders, so that you know they they the restaurant owners can continue to to be of relevance and value in our community and are supporting those that need it during this time. And it's, and they, we're talking about significant amounts of donated goods and services and, and the personnel, the restaurant personnel, the delivery drivers and such that have said, all right, we're not doing this our normal way, but this is our way to be able to give back while we're, we're struggling through this. And, you know, again, restaurants have been very hard hit, right? They're closed altogether. The, the employees that work there are, you know, typically working on a, on a tip-based salary. So they're, they're doing everything they can to still stay in front of, of customers and, and be, something, be, be providing to those in the community that really need our support. Um, Cox Media, your cable provider, mostly throughout the state, they've stepped up and are offering um, local advertising space to the restaurants here in the, in the state um, just to keep their messages in front of um, the consumers. You know, we will return to a time when we can get back out and, and participate in the community that way. And so working with the Arizona Restaurant Association to help identify and provide an, a vehicle for restaurants to stay, you know, top of mind as we're, you know, really looking at different ways of doing um, our life right now. So applause out to, you know, Cox and for other of these digital 
um, and technology companies that are helping to support um, our different businesses that are out there. The other thing to um, to note, I think, is um, you know we are also seeing a an uptick in conversation around uh, mental health, substance abuse, um, domestic violence, and that's the sad side of what um, is happening where we are at home and might be in a situation that's a bit more volatile, and then you add and couple in the challenges that we're facing. So the social services agencies in our state are all committed and dedicated to providing those kinds of resources for anyone that might be struggling with their, you know, with a, with a mental health challenge. If you feel that you're unsafe, if you are not food secure and are, you know, un- unable to get your the food supplies, there are so many valuable organizations in our state that are around and will continue to be providing resources for individuals that really need that extra help. Um, and there's a couple references in the in the issue today, and there's been others on our website in the past where if you need these kinds of services, they are there, and we highly encourage you to take advantage of what's available out there to get whatever support you need to to get through not only the the physicalness of what this is, but the mental strain that it's might be causing you. Certainly a, an important set of issues indeed. The Arizona 100 provides a unique lens into events, issues, stories uh, that affect folks throughout the state of Arizona. One of the things we've encouraged folks to do in the past, and it's still relevant today, is to browse through some of the back issues. Uh, there's a lot going on. Some of you know, It tends to be a current uh, kind of discussion each time the issue comes out, but it's also a way of identifying companies, nonprofit organizations, communities that are worth checking in with. Uh, in our current situation. So a very valuable resource indeed. And of course, a place that could also share your stories. Abby, tell us about how folks subscribe to the free publication and how they submit things to be considered to be included in the Arizona 100. Sure. We accept editorial contributions all the time at editor at the Arizona 100.com. And we monitor that on a regular basis. So if you've got a great story to tell, whether it's COVID related or really general business news around our state, we want to hear about it. If you would like to receive a copy of the uh, newsletter, it comes out twice a month, although we've we've ramped up our distribution a bit over the last several weeks. You can subscribe at thearizona100.com. It's free, lands in your inbox, 12 to 15 stories each issue, 100 words exactly for each issue or each story. And they're really a a microcosm of what our state is all about from a from a business perspective, the nonprofit and social services, thought leadership on issues that are impacting our community. So again, if you'd like to subscribe, that's thearizona100.com and send us a note at editor at thearizona100.com. If you've got news to share, we'd love to hear from you. The Arizona 100 is a publication brought to you by HMA Public Relations, the Valley's oldest PR firm. This is the 40th year, Abby. Are we going to have a virtual party at some point? What's the story well, there? Well, funny you should ask. We were we were planning for a celebration in um, actually mid-May. So that has been tentatively put on hold until we can figure out when we will be in person again. But we're, we've been celebrating uh, via our website and on our Facebook page with, with interesting news and tidbits about our, our company and our 40-year history. We're very proud of that. Um, we're proud of our, 
our tenure here in the marketplace and the, and the hundreds of clients that we've gotten to work with over the years. And, uh, you know, the marketplace has changed significantly in the 40 years. Uh, what hasn't changed, of course, is is the need for good communications and and this technology being one of those things that has been, you know, added to our our service offerings. And um, we're just excited to be a part of the of you know the city of Phoenix and the state of Arizona and and being one of the small businesses here in our community that right alongside others are you know doing our part to you know be be valuable to our community. So. Thank you for that little bit of shout out and uh, we'll keep you posted on the celebration, the in-person celebration towards the end of the year. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Abby Fink is the Vice President General Manager of HMA Public Relations and publisher of the Arizona 100. Thanks so much for joining us. Happy to do it. 